Hello, and welcome to this FRDH podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. The fact that we are in a new historical epoch was underscored recently in the response to the news that Robert Mugabe and Ratko Mladic, two men who ruined their countries and caused the deaths of thousands, got their comeuppance. Twenty years ago, this would have been enormous front page, A-segment news. It would have been the topic of gleeful conversation among the well-informed and politically aware. But in this era of Trump and sexual harassment and Brexit, hardly a ripple. It's ancient history. But Zimbabwe and Bosnia were enormous stories when I started doing hard news. Bosnia was especially important to me. My main area of coverage on that story was the diplomatic dumb show, the Western powers. There were no others then. The Soviet Union had collapsed. History was at an end, remember? The diplomatic dumb show the UK, France, and the US were putting on as Mladic and company with support from Serbia's then-president Slobodan Milosevic recreated the hell of World War II in Bosnia. It was a dumb show because its primary purpose was to give governments the appearance of doing something to stop the slaughter when no one was willing to do what was necessary except that the aggressor was the Bosnian Serbs under Milodic, impose a ceasefire on him, and then enforce it from the air. It took three years of fighting, and then two linked events in Srebrenica, before effective diplomacy, backed up by military force, would make that happen. First, the humiliation of Dutch troops, who were meant to be protecting Srebrenica, designated a UN safe haven, and then the slaughter of 8,000 Muslim men and boys, who were marched from the town into the woods and machine-gunned to death. I only had two brief rotations into Bosnia, once when Pope John Paul was supposed to go to Sarajevo to say a mass for peace. I flew in on a Luftwaffe cargo plane containing the Pope-mobile and his driver, but the Pope never made it. The UN couldn't guarantee his safety. The second rotation was at the very end of the war, as the late Richard Holbrook shuttled around the Balkans, arranging the ceasefire that led to the Dayton Peace Conference. But what I saw there, a fascist temper tantrum that had destroyed one of the most beautiful countries in Europe, has always stayed with me. I returned to Sarajevo on the fifth anniversary of the Dayton Agreement to make a radio documentary on how the country was recovering. Flew in commercial and saw at the end of the runway the Pope-mobile, abandoned in a ditch. The country was recovering, up to a point, but neither Mladic nor the political leader of the Bosnian Serbs, Radovan Karadzic, had been arrested, something called for in the Dayton Agreement, and hovering over the whole was the long, laborious process of identifying the dead of Srebrenica. Mass graves had been found, bodies exhumed, but they were in such an advanced state of decomposition it was impossible to tell who they were. In the documentary, I took listeners to the city of Tuzla, where a morgue had been set up. In a refrigerated room in a white corrugated steel warehouse near Tuzla are 867 sliding shelves. And on these shelves are plastic bags containing the remains of Srebrenica victims. 4,000 sets of remains are here and in caverns underneath the morgue. The smell hovering around the building is, as you can imagine, vile.
Across the hall from the refrigerator room, forensic anthropologists Nancy Fichter and her husband Robert Ashford work at two examining tables, looking for the unique marks on each set of bones that might make identification possible. The work is arduous and for slim reward. The couple have had only one positive ID out of 270 examinations. Most of the Srebrenica victims were buried in mass graves, and as war crimes investigators started looking for the victims, the perpetrators frequently dug the bodies up and moved them, losing bits and pieces along the way. This day, Nancy Fichter is working on a set of remains about one-third complete. Fichter says that could be enough to get an ID. We were able to determine that the person was about 25 to 30 years old. Uh, fortunately, we had the pubic symphysis, which is about the number one way of aging the, a person. The pubic symphysis. symphysis. Yeah, it's the, <clears throat> it's the front area of your hip bone that comes together. Because this person was actually fairly young uh, and his bones are quite healthy, I mean, there's nothing that I have been able to find that would be distinctly to him with just the bones I have. So the question is, how did you guys come to be working here? Actually, I've... Uh, wanted to get involved with human rights issues for quite a long time. I wanted to be able to take a more of a scientific view to the human rights side of it. Have you got into the politics much of what created this situation? I, I, I much prefer the human side of it than the political side of it. But I don't understand politicians. I don't understand how people do the things that they do. And fortunately, there's families around, and there's lots of people here that I'm able to talk to about it. And you know, nobody seems to understand. And you know, that's that's what I try and piece together. There's all those bodies on the other side of the wall. They all were killed in one place for no particular reason other than the fact that they were Muslim. I mean, you're dealing with the science of it. But do you ever find yourself thinking about their day-to-day -day or what the last days were like for them? I do, but he always tells me not to get so emotional or so involved. Uh, my mom always tells me, because, you know, you know, I'm really close to her, and she was saying, you know, you have to remember that they had hearts, you know, and they beat inside the chests that you're examining. After visiting the morgue, I met with some women whose husbands, sons, or fathers had been massacred at Srebrenica and who still did not have a body or bits of a body to bury. I thought of them this week. Miladic will join Karadzic in prison for life. Those who murdered on their orders walk the streets freely. Whatever sense I have that justice has been done, it's a very limited justice. The key lesson of conflict resolution is that to gain peace, Many murderers go unpunished. Peace does not equal justice. Many journalists who covered the war have stayed in touch with Bosnia down the years, and those who covered and were expelled from Zimbabwe have stayed in touch with the people of that benighted country. We paid close attention to the events of this week, even if most of the people who read or listened to our reports were paying attention to the crisis slowly enveloping our own countries. Journalists not only write the first rough draft of history, we bear lifelong witness to it. And we never forget that the victims had hearts, like ours, that beat inside their chests. 
And that's all for this FRDH podcast. You can hear lots more at the website, www.goldfarbpod.com, and you can make a donation. People do, you know, to keep these podcasts coming. Thanks.